Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. And I'm Adam. And this is episode number 80. But it's really not our 80th podcast, is it, Adam? No, we've done over 100 now with all the festival coverage and other special episodes that we've done. Yep, interviews. Spoiler and casts. Spoiler casts and stuff. And uh, But this is episode number 80, and we're going to cover a couple cool films, Ready or Not, a comedy-slash-horror-slash-film, uh, and uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, kind of opposite ends of the spectrum right. there. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we're, well, we have some good takes on both of those. But uh, before we get into all of that, Adam, if somebody's listening to the film Coterie for the first time, what are we? We are a podcast about movies. We see all types. Roger and I do not rule out anything. We love the big budget popcorn action movies, superhero flicks. Yep. And we got a real soft spot for the festival darlings that come out in the fall. Yep. And we like, you know, new releases on Amazon, new releases on Netflix as far as feature films. We we really will watch just about anything, you know. We so. avoid the sun. We're happiest in a dark <laughs> space with a movie playing. I know. At least that's for me. Oh, well, me too, friend. Trust me. That's that's for sure. So so, so that's what we're about. We, we, we cover movies. We're just uh, a couple normal guys that just love film, love cinema, and love to go and give our take on it and, and kind of give you a preview of, what we thought so that you have maybe something going into the film to, to, to think about. So, um, but before we get into all of that, what's been happening, it's been, it's been like 23 days since we've podcast, we've turned into a bi-weekly podcast (laughs) over the summer. Summer's been crazy and I got to admit something. I think I've fallen off the wagon. Uh Oh, I restarted my pull list at a comic book store. Oh man, here we go. It's been years. It's the 90s revisited, isn't it? I've been clean for years. <laughs> and all Marvel had to do was announce that they were rebooting the X-Men, and I, I had to go back. There you go. And then one of the issues was sold out. I'm like, I can't have this. I need to go to the store and get my comics. So I, I've done a pull list. And if you don't know what a pull list is, it's if you go to your local comic book store and pick at least 10 ongoing titles, and they will pull them for you, and you just pick them up and pay as you go. But it's you have to have at least 10 titles. And then they'll actually hold stuff for you so you don't have to worry about a sellout. Yep. I have to say, I've never been a huge comic book reader. I like the trades after they do a run and they do yeah. the larger book. I actually prefer those, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, that's exciting. And I, I have actually read uh, The House of X, number one, pretty dang good. And you say yeah. it just gets better, right? It just gets better. There's some major twists. There's a... There's a lot of cool stuff going in without spoiling that it has me legitimately excited about what they're going to do with the X-Men going forward. And do you think, of course, do you think there's any tie-in, any relation to now Disney's going to have access to all of the X-Men characters and they're reboot, re- rebooting the franchise? Is that is there any correlation there, any tie, Adam, or just happy coincidence? I think it's a happy coincidence. I thought they might do something with this reboot, you know, that could work with the MCU as we know it. But so far, it's not dealing with other dimensions. It's dealing with timelines. But I think the MCU, if they bring in the X-Men, will do it as another dimension. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Use the multiverse that they've created. Excellent. So besides the X-Men reboots, what else have you been, what else is part of your pull? There's been a lot of great new retro sci-fi titles. It's exciting to see this kind of genre come back. And there's two I'm reading right now, Black Science and Sea of Stars. And they are about family journeys through space with different kind of subgenres that come in. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Black Science, I think, is a really good twist on Lost in Space. 
Cool. Excellent. So, um, and like you say, a lot of the new popular stuff in the comic world ends up on a screen usually somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, it, it sometimes feels to me that comics can be precursors to our pop culture entertainment. They'll right. try out stuff. It seems a little bit ahead of its time. And then movies and television and other portions of the popular arts will catch up to the comics. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking of all of the uh, uh, Disney and now having access to X-Men and, and Fox uh, entertainment stuff, there's been a little bit of bad news in the last couple weeks about Spider-Man. Fill us in on what's going on there, Adam. There's been a maybe temporary, maybe permanent breakup between Sony and the MCU and Marvel. Uh, the contract has ended. They are at a stalemate as far as discussing additional terms for Spider-Man being a shared property going forward. So as of right now, Spider-Man is out of the MCU. And there was a little bit of stuff with Kevin Feige as well, too, right? As far as at first it was like, I've got a real busy schedule and I can't do it. And then, you know, there was some of that back and forth between Sony and Disney uh, about his schedule and everything. And then it's just kind of come out. He's just pulled away and said, well, Disney's asked for a lot more money. Yes. I mean, we got to be, this isn't Sony being a clear cut bad guy here. Um, Marvel went from 5% to 50%. Yeah. Which is a huge jump. And let's and, point out that Marvel also owns all of the toy rights. And comics as well. and video games. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, Disney. So, I'm sorry. The other part of it is that Kevin Faye was asking for producer credit. He's worked on all these films, his fingerprint is undeniable. Yes. yes. They feel like Marvel films. And he's gone uncredited thus far. So there may be a little bit feeling on his part of being wrong that he should deserve a producer sure. credit on this. So I, I think the situation's going to work itself out. I think they're just at a stalemate right now. So Spider-Man, though, if I'm not – correct me if I'm wrong here – it's like the highest grossing film Sony has ever had. I mean, it's yes. like it's like they've been their most successful film, period. And they don't want to give up 50% of that revenue. You know, that's big money for them. But on the flip side, it was Marvel's guidance that I would argue gave them that popularity, you know, gave them that success. We see what happens when Sony does a superhero film without Marvel's guidance. We get Venom. Well, which, which some no, people, to be more fair, we get the Andrew Garfield films. Or we get the which, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Which underperformed compared to the previous Spider-Man films and, and certainly the films of the MCU. They're getting a clear advantage and benefit from having Spider-Man be a, a piece of this bigger pie. Right, exactly. Because Andrew Garfield, now there are some loyal fans of those series that I know, but like you said, he, he wasn't able to be a part of the greater Marvel Cinematic right. Universe. And so I think that kind of, you know... Let's just face it, Mar Marvel is the magic train that everybody wants to connect to right now, yes. you know. And so let, let's just hope, don't you want to see this Spider-Man continuing on in the in the Marvel, you know, cinematic universe? Don't you want to see that? I, I want to see that, you know. I want, I want what's Spider-Man 3 going to be like now? Yeah, we don't know. <sighs> and they wouldn't be able to mention any Tony Stark or Marvel characters at all if Sony just keeps Spider-Man to itself now. It, it would be different let's just hope cooler heads and maybe just some general i'll give a little you give a little yeah so i negotiate a lot for a living yes you do marvel's got room to move down on their quote and they can give fehi a producer credit we can get this done exactly that's that's the optimism i want to see adam right there all right 
Okay, anything else been happening? No, uh, getting ready for festival season. I have Film Festival of Columbus coming up. And after that, Fantastic Fest, my favorite 10 days of the year. Awesome. And we can't wait to see, uh, hear back from you. And I love following you, following, well, following Film Coterie on Twitter when you're yes. at those festivals. You yeah, know, at either so. festival, if you're watching <clears throat> us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, I'll be posting quick capsule reviews uh, of all the films. Awesome. Well, let's take a break and get into our first feature of the night, Ready or Not. Why don't we listen in to a little bit of the film and then we'll come back. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. Whenever the little masses are presented with a new addition to the family, we place a blank playing card into the box. Our initiate then has the privilege of drawing the card, and Mr. LaBelle will tell us which game to play. I got chess. I got old maid. Seriously, what the fuck is old maid? Fitch. (laughs) (laughs) So I just take out the card? My dear, it is your turn. What does it say, girl? Oh, it says, it says hide and seek. Are we really going to play that? Everything okay? All right, and that's a little taste of Ready or Not. Kind of, kind of sits the the table for um, what this film was about. If you don't know Ready or Not, is a young couple gets married. She marries, the, the, the girl marries into a rich billionaire board game legacy mansion clue type family, <laughs> you know, clue board game type family. And um, she has to play a game on their honeymoon night. And that game. It is tradition. It is tradition. And um, the only card you don't want to draw is hide and seek. If you draw old maid, they laugh and they play old maid. If you draw chess, they sigh and play chess, you know. If you draw hide and seek, you have to survive through the night. You have to make it till dawn while being hunted by this family. Yep, absolutely. So, Adam, thoughts about this? You are the horror expert in our group here. So, this is a horror comedy. I mean, this is very much played for laughs and designed to be a fun ride of a movie. Right. And it's from Radio Silence, the the trio of writers and directors who gave us the VHS anthologies and Southbound. Southbound might be my favorite horror anthology. Wow. So when I saw that Radio Silence was behind this movie, I was even more excited because this is the type of tone in a film that I think they can just nail. They know what the audience wants to see. They know what's going to get laughs. And they can build the tension. There's some good tense scenes in here. There's humor that brings down the tension, lets you relax for a second. Yep. It's fun. It's unpredictable. This is everything I want, and I think audiences want, in a summer horror movie. So I I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, I enjoyed it. It, You you cannot take this. You can't go into this. If you take this seriously, then the point, it's a horror comedy. It's supposed to be over the top with the violence. But it's not a spoof. But it's not a, yes. This isn't like scary movie. They're not going that far in the direction. This walks the tightrope. Just right, I think. Yeah, I would agree. 
But uh, one of the interesting things, you have educated me over the last hundred episodes of this podcast that, you know, there are certain tropes in horror movies, certain themes in horror movies. One of the themes is kind of the last surviving girl. The final girl. The final girl. This is kind of flips out on its head, right? We start off with the final girl and she kind of starts off terrorized and then decides, I'm pissed off. I'm going to I'm going to hunt them as much as they hunt me, you know? Right. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I don't know if I would have not had some at least some education about horror films, I don't know if I'd have really got it, you know? Yeah. Uh let's talk about the cast. Uh Samara Weaving is the star of this film. I've enjoyed her a lot along the way. She was in The Babysitter on Netflix, uh, Mayhem, which was in theaters. She's on the Showtime series Smilf, and a few other things. The first season of Ash vs. the Evil Dead, I believe, briefly. This is her first real big starring role, and I think she kills it yes. as, the, as the hero of yeah, this tale. She's great. And um, do not mistake her for Margot Robbie. We had one of our guys in our group came out and said, was that Marco Robbie in that film? We were like, no, that's Samara Weaving. <laughs> yes, niece to Hugo Weaving, if you're wondering about a family connection. Yes. She's able to disguise her Australian accent. Yep. And we have Andy McDowell, who I've not seen her in a film oh, in yeah. ages, you know. And here she pops up as as the aunt, you know. And uh, um, <clears throat> just a gr- great cast, a great cast. Um, I wanted to see, I think it's, was it? Christian Brune played Fitch. Was he the guy that couldn't figure out the crossbow? Yeah, he was part of the comedic relief. <laughs> he's one of the guys. He's one of the guys that he's gl- he's kind of glad he married into money because he's enjoying the life of money because <laughs> he never would have had any success outside of money, you know. Yeah. And uh, of course, when he gets his crossbow, he's like, "How am I supposed to do anything with this?" So what does he do? YouTube. What YouTube. any of us would do. What right? any of us would do. How to use a crossbow. You go to YouTube, you know. When something goes wrong with my car, I mean, I'm literally <laughs> looking up the year model my car and YouTube videos on how to replace yes. or fix it. Yes. So, and um, a special shout out, too, I want to give for Adam Brody. He plays the brother-in-law. And I think he was a surprisingly complex character that gave some great in this film. And it, yes. it, he did a really good kind of understated, just solid performance I was going to I was going to say that out, out loud that um, he absolutely was the stand... The male standout standout performance of this film, for sure. I was not so crazy about Mark Mark O'Brien, his character, to be honest with you. The husband. The script doesn't give him a lot to do. It does not. And there's some really unbelievable twists and turns with his character, you know, that I just, I did not buy into that at all. I was kind of disappointed kind of where, where it went with him. But overall... Really liked this film. Funny, laughed out loud several times. It's it's a it's a great film to see over the summer. It's a great film to see with a large crowd. Um, I would recommend uh, Ready or Not. Yeah, um, uh, the aunt was a lot of fun oh, here too. Oh yes, uh, she's been in a few horror movies, and Aunt Helene. Yes, I enjoyed her very much, and I I think we may actually see some costumes for Halloween come out of this film. I'm not going to be shocked if I see the bride get up with a bandolier. And tennis shoes. Oh, yeah. There's some serious cosplay to come down the yeah. road with this. Absolutely. Um, other thoughts about, about the film? So you'd recommend it? Good, good summer horror yeah, film? So for horror, I always try to tell people how intense or gory something is. This does have some gore to it. It is mostly played for laughs. But if you're sensitive to it, you should still know that this is not a bloodless affair. There is oh, gore. Absolutely. But like I said, it is played mostly for humor. Intensity-wise, there's some tense scenes, but... 
it, so, it's, so, it ranks along a thriller for intensity, I would yeah, say. So is it kind of an Ash versus Evil Dead level of, of gore or No, not as not as not extreme as that. Not as extreme as that. A little you think a little less. Okay. And they throw buckets of blood around for fun <laughs> sometimes in this right. film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no one's being tortured or or anything yeah. like that. I will say for my little bit of my disappointment with um, um, the, the the husband's character, overall the ending of the film had me chuckling out loud. You know, yeah. So I really liked how the in the film actually ended, and uh, whenever you walk out of the theater, kind of smiling, that's a good gets a good thing. You know. Yep. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for Ready or Not. That's that's two affirmatives for Adam and I. It's definitely go check it out. If you're into the horror genre, I think you'll really like it. And we'll say this. Sometimes we talk about the people that we see this with. We saw it with a large group of Columbus horror fans, and I think I heard every single one having a positive reaction to the film. I think everyone in our group enjoyed it. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to do a 180 and go in a completely different direction with our next film. It's The Peanut Butter Falcon. And uh, why don't we listen in to a little bit of the film, and then when we come back, we'll break it down. You're listening to The Film Coterie. Look, I could have you arrested for kidnapping, okay? Oh, you're going to have me arrested for kidnapping? How do you figure? You can't have me arrested. He's a runaway. You can't kidnap a runaway. Come on, genius. You said GW, didn't you? I'm sure I could find some reason to arrest you. And let me ask you, what do you want for him? I'm not going to sell him to you. No, no, what do you want for his life? His future. Why are you at? You don't know, you know about anything about him. Yes, of course I know about the All right, so I know some about him, don't I? So, uh, you're a little late to party. This is what's going on. I made a promise to him to give him that wrestling school in Aiden. Oh. You understand? Mm-hmm. I gave him my word, and I ain't going back down on my word. Now, you seem like a nice person. You care for him and all. You came all the way out here. Maybe it's because you like me. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, I'm off you a favor. You can get on that rap with us, and you can ride down there if you want. Uh, no, we're not gonna hop on your yeah, little raft okay. and cruise around down the river. It's hot, you're confused. I'm not asking you. Hey, Eleanor! Oh! 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 I want to see a saltwater redneck, and I don't want to go home. All right, we are back for our second film of the podcast, and that will be The Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, the new film was Shia LaBeouf that has been called the heartwarming film of the year. And I don't think you're going to see either Roger or I dispute that title. No, not at all. It, it is definitely um, – what I did like this film. I'll say it right up front. One of the things I'll say is it's not like Hallmark feel-good kind of feel movie. It's an honest movie and a movie that's, you know, it's it's – you know, I think truthful, you know, uh, but it's not a super feel good. Everybody plays nice kind of thing. You know, there is there's some real, real stuff. I mean, it's you know, I, I just really like this, like the film a lot. Yeah. So the film is about a guy with Down syndrome who's been lost into the system. He has no family. He's in a nursing home, nursing facility. And all he wants to do, he watches these wrestling tapes over and over again. He wants to get to this wrestling school in South Florida. Yes. He wants his chance to become a wrestler. And he escapes, and he goes on an adventure, and he comes across Shia LaBeouf, who's playing a character much in the vein of a Mark or a Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn. Yep. Just a loner on the river. And these two become fast friends. They have great chemistry together. 
And it's just refreshing to see a character like Shia is just treat this guy like a person instead of someone that needs to be coddled, protected, and have his whole life mandated for him. Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, I actually got my wife to go with me to see this, which was which was cool because she's really not a movie movie crazy nut like I am. But we have a we have a uh, a child with special needs who's an adult now, and um, knowing the theme of this movie. And working, and I, you know, I personally have volunteered for Special Olympics for years, and and helped out with them. And so I've I've coached basketball and track with with Down syndrome kids and stuff, and and Down syndrome adults as well, you know. And so I wanted to see this. She wanted to see this, and I don't think either one of us left the film disappointed at all. It's just such a sweet adventure. Um, like I said, it it is it's managed to be heartfelt, but not overly cheesy. Um, it does feel like it earns what it's trying to do. And I think it does that, Adam, because, you know, we talked to uh, we stayed afterwards. Rhonda and I did in the um, the producer was there talking about the film because he's from the central Ohio area or from Ohio, I guess. And um, he talked about Shia LaBeouf came down five weeks early, unpaid and spent time getting to know um, Zach, you know, the uh, the lead character. And also getting to learn how to crab fish and kind of what that outer banks of North Carolina life was like, you know. And so he's so committed to the role. He takes it so seriously. He takes this. He's acting against Zach, the Down syndrome adult actor, as if he's just he treats him like any other actor and just and he interacts with him and he engages him. And that's what, to me, made the film so good, you know. Oh, so his Shia just did great in this film. Yeah, they have a great chemistry, and a lot of the laughs really land, too. The um, Zach, when he escapes from the home, is just in his tidy whities He's running through scene after scene in just his underwear as he's <laughs> on the run. There's a lot of humor with that that's funny. Also, Shia gives him, like, rules to live by. And whenever he asks him what's rule one, Zach always says, party. <laughs> Which made me laugh every time. Yes, absolutely. And funny story about that: we were the producer was talking, and that whole section wasn't even going to be in the movie when they're in the cornfield. Yeah. And he said that um, they finished the scene, and uh, and they kind of turned and looked, you know. And the, he said I motioned them just to keep rolling because we had good daylight, good lighting was about to end. And they just kept kind of walking and talking and walking and talking. And that's when he asked him, you know, about those three those rules. And he said, what was rule number one? And he, he Zach said, I wasn't supposed to say party. Oh, it works so well. And he's like, but I couldn't think of anything else. So he, Zach said, I, he said, uh, party. <laughs> and then it became kind of a yeah. the, the hit line from the film. Yeah, you that's know? just a magic moment. And that was totally unscripted, you know, so. Yeah, if there's one weakness in the film, it's just uh, Dakota Johnson's in it as the caseworker. This love triangle's a little forced, and it, it just felt like she could still be in the movie. You just didn't need that angle necessarily. Yeah, I thought that was forced. And, you know, I never stopped thinking, oh, I'm looking at Dakota Johnson the whole time she was in the thing. I mean, the character's really it's, slight. Yeah, it's written very thin. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I mean,. I have been around dozens and dozens of caseworkers and people that work in special, and it, she just didn't come across this one to me, you know. And probably not going to fall in love with the river rat. <laughs> probably not, you know. But and that's coming off her last year, seeing Dakota in 
um, Bad Times at the El Royale. And Which she Suspiria, is Suspiria, my number one film of the year. She's absolutely amazing oh, in Suspiria. Yes. Just just knockout performances in both. Yeah, I'm glad she's in the film. It's just the character didn't have much in the way to offer. Right. And, and it's great. All the actors work for scale. I mean, yeah. it says a lot about somebody willing to work for the millions of dollars and then coming and working for, you know, uh, $980 a day or whatever scale is for, for eight hour for an eight hour shoot. Yeah, and so. that shows you that they believe in the script, they believe yeah. in the film. Yep. And I tell you, I like Zach Zach Gottsagen, the uh the, the lead actor. Mm-hmm. I, I could see him he, he's probably going to pop up on films from you know from yeah. time to time. So he's a good guy. He's got a he's got an infectious smile. Um, you know, you're kind of just drawn to him. You want to root for him. So I think given the right material, I think that uh he could have a career in film. So Yeah, it didn't mean much. You're on his side almost immediately. So what else about the peanut butter falcon, Adam? Anything that jumps out to you? Would you would you recommend it? Is it a wait for video release? What do you think? I mean, this isn't one I say you have to rush out to the theaters to see. It's going to have a strong life on on video. It'll end up streaming somewhere, and I think you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I would agree. So um, either way, whether you see it in the theaters or you watch it on Netflix or Amazon or iTunes, wherever it lands, I think you would, it's kind of those... Um, get the family together, pop some popcorn, and kick back and and, and kind of enjoy a, a Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, Outer Banks on the River kind of movie. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for The Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, we, we've had a couple other films we've seen. Why don't we do one more quick segment and talk about kind of our solo adventures, what we've been seeing when we're not reviewing together at a film. And uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about what's coming up and some of your travels as well. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, listen to some music. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. And we're back, and um, over the last few weeks, each of us have, have kind of snuck out to see some solo stuff, you know. And so, um, why don't I go first? Sure. And these again are going to be the opposite ends of the spectrum from one another. <laughs> so, so I went out and saw a press screening of The Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, and uh, of course, that is the Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham uh, characters. And then, of course, the villain is Idris Elba in this. And um, I, I, w- I will say this about the film. You're going to get your money's worth, you know. You're going to get the fan. So here's the thing. Let me. G- I have to give you a little bit of hit- my history with Fast and Furious. I saw the first film, loved it. And then I like, went on a hiatus and didn't see any of the other films. Then we reviewed, like, Fast and Furious 7, maybe, on this podcast way right. back when we yeah. first started. And... I was like, yeah, it's okay, but you know, some of us liked it, some most of us kind of panned it, and then one of our guys hated it, you know, and but I didn't understand the whole mythos of this Fast and Furious. I mean, there's a whole genre. People love these films, you know, and 
one of them was my son, Zach, you know. And so right before he went off to college, we did, we literally did a Fast and Furious marathon watching the whole entire series and up to Hobbs and Shaw. And I'll say this, you're going to get all the fun out of the Fast and Furious out of Hobbs and Shaw. You're going to get, you're going to get that plus... Uh, the director, I'm trying to think it was uh, uh, David Leach. I think he did something with, um, oh, what film did he work on? Deadpool, right? He'd worked on Deadpool, but he also, didn't he work on, oh, what's the Keanu? Ke- oh, the, John Wick. John Wick. He did something with John Wick. So anyway, I say all that to say there is some incredible, incredible hand-to-hand combat combat scenes in this film. Um, and then I also really liked um, the other actress that was in this. Vanessa Kirby, who played Hattie, was just lights out good. Her 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 hand to hand combat scenes, her her stunt person or her were just incredible. Um, so the first three acts of this film, I loved. I really was on board, one hundred and ten percent. Loved it. Thought it was great, full of action, adventure. And then they decided they needed a fourth act. And they go, they're going to go back to Hobbs's home, home, you know, his home island of Samoa, and they're going to have a family adventure there. And, and the movie just, it's like they dropped an anchor in this thing and it came to a stop. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is dragging and dragging. And then of course they ramp it up at the end for the big finale. And you talk about fantastical. There is some fantastical elements in this grand finale I don't know if you've seen any of the previews. I think it's even in the trailer. Let me just say, there's a scene where there is multiple vehicles hooked up by chains, and they are trying to pull a helicopter back down, not crash it, because there's some very valuable cargo on that helicopter, trying to pull it back down to the ground. And at one point, the only thing keeping the chain alive is Hobbs is holding onto the chain. Of course. And I'm I'm falling back in my seat laughing my butt off at this point. So it's funny. It's not realistic at all. Very, very funny. Nowhere, Hobbs and Shaw and even uh, the, the, the number eight, the last three or four Fast and Furious, which are, have turned into these global heist kind of films, you know, are great fun, but have nothing to do with the first couple of Fast and Furious, which is about street racing in the urban urban right. environment. Nothing at all. You racing know? for pink slips. Exactly. But they're very, very much fun. I think if you want to go out and have a good time, go see it. If you have a good home entertainment system, it's worth watching when it comes to video and, and crank demand. the volume. And crank the volume up. Absolutely. So that's Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. I would give it, you know, I, I think I'd give it about a three out of five, you know, three out of five stars, you know, six, six and a half out of 10, if that helps you, you know. So what about you, Adam? What's your adventure has been like? Okay, well, I'm fresh out of this one. I've literally just seen it today. It is the Nightingale. It is the second film from Jennifer Kent, who last gave us The Babadook, which is one and of my I favorite wanna, movies. I love The Babadook. Babadook is one of my favorite movies of the last decade. So... She's the sole writer on Nightingale. She's the director. And this, I have to say this ahead of time, is a very tough sit in terms of content. It's about a young Irish convict in Australia who's been shipped down there. She's wronged by the captain she works for, and she sets off on a path of vengeance, um, taken with her an Aborigine tracker, who, if you think convicts have no rights in this society... The Aborigines have even less. 
just a grueling, emotionally devastating film. Yeah, that's but, what I was going to say. When you talk about it's a hard set, it does it have to do with like the the acts of violence committed against her, against and, her, and the her one, family, okay. um, other people on scene. This is a film where children aren't safe. I mean, there's a lot of death and murder, and just cruelty. Wow. But that's that's the film. I mean, they're showing. I mean, these people are going through the wilderness. They're literally in the bush mm. in Australia in this thick jungle. And man is so much worse than the wilderness. You know, the wilderness <laughs> throws a lot at you to survive. Yeah. But just the cruelty of man in this film, specifically the British officers, um, are what drive the film. It's a tale of revenge. It has a lot to meditate upon. Beautifully shot. This must have been a grueling shoot in these locations. It looks incredible. Wow. And I'll say this. It's one of the best films I've seen all year. Wow. that I, is. I have just seen it today. That's high praise right there, though. But just it's a powerhouse film. And like I said, it, it is not for everybody. I can't stress enough. What happens to these characters is terrible. It's a lot to take in. Wow. Okay, well that that intrigues me. I, I'm definitely going to see it. You know, I want to see it just so I can, you know, we do our end of the year list. Uh, we, we vote for for you know with Kafka and stuff as far as uh, movie awards and stuff. So I feel like I need to see it to be able to know whether I need to throw it on my list or not. You sure. know, for end of the year. And if you're in Columbus, it is at the Gateway right now. It started on Friday, and I I happened to catch it today. Awesome, excellent. Okay, and then anything else you've been you've been consuming? Anything else that you would recommend, or anything that's jumped out to you? I've been enjoying uh, the second season of Mindhunter right now on okay. uh, Netflix from David Fincher. Just a fantastic show. If you're if you're not tired of serial killers right now, it's a great show to jump into. There you go. I, I've kind of been summer off, you know, getting my son off to college and and different things. So I'm about to jump into my fall TV watching, movie watching, and. Uh, I'm excited. We've got some good films coming up, and uh, you've got the festival season. You, you know, we're going to be involved in, and I mean, we're going to blink, and before we know it, Nightmares is going to be here with yep. us. You know, and end so, of October for Nightmares Film Festival. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, looking forward to it. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for the podcast this week, Adam. If folks want to reach out to us, how do they get a hold of us? We're on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com/backslash/filmcoder, you'll find our page. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram. We have the same handle on either. It is at Film Coterie. So you can follow along on social media. Tell us what you've been watching. Tell us what we got right or wrong in our reviews if you disagree or agree with us. And uh, we're easy to find. Awesome. We have a website, filmcoterie.com. There you go. Well, give us a shout out. If not, we're going to sign off and see you next time on the Film Coterie Podcast.